Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com/fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. On the last episode, we found out some of the basic information you need about establishing your second vegetable garden of 2020, the fall and winter edible garden. Now, of course, a lot of this information might rightly be ignored by those of you who are good friends with a snowblower. But for you, I might suggest you go back and listen to episode 18. It's all about greenhouse basics on how gardeners, even in the coldest of climates, can successfully have a fall and winter vegetable garden. And now, for those of you who live in the West, the South, parts of the Midwest, and Mid-Atlantic states, that would be USDA's Zone 7, 8, and 9, we get down to the specifics in this episode on the best varieties of vegetables to grow during the cooler months. We'll tell you about some tasty, easy-to-grow varieties that maybe you've never eaten. Vegetables like bok choy, black-seeded Simpson lettuce, Danvers half-long carrots, and Romanesco. What's that? Well, you're going to have to give a listen. It's episode 43 of Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, Vegetables to Grow in the Fall and Winter. Plus, we'll tell you why now is a good time to give a final 2020 feeding to your fruit trees. We learn something new every time on Garden Basics with Farmer Fred, and we will do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. It's September. It's cool season vegetable time for much of the country. That would be USDA zones 9, 8, 7, and 6, if you feel real, real lucky. But let's just uh, concentrate on on the warmer areas, let's say south of the Mason-Dixon line, along with most of the uh, West Coast and getting into Arizona and probably parts of Texas and Florida, of course. So let's talk to somebody who's very familiar with cool season vegetables. Nursery owner Don Shore owns Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis. And Don, it's uh, cool season vegetable time. And there's a lot to choose from. And I, I hope people don't give up after their summer garden. Maybe they're already tired of tomatoes and squash. They've already started ripping it out. Hmm. You can put in crops that will do well in the cooler weather ahead. It's a funny time of year here because our summer vegetables are still going along strong, but it's a good time to get started on broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, Brussels sprouts, a lot of those things that we grow and harvest in the cool season, but they need a good lead in. Well, the first thing people have to do is either plant from seed or pick out the plants. And one of the easier things to do is to pick out the plants. Go to your favorite local independent nursery. Your local independent nursery is always a good place to shop for plants because they're going to carry the varieties that are known to do well in your particular area. Yeah. And uh, for instance, uh, here in Northern California, Don, what would you have in stock now in the way of cool season vegetables for people in Northern California? We've just started bringing in broccoli, cauliflower, Romanesco, uh, the different types of cabbage, Napa cabbage, regular headed cabbages. And we have the very first of the leafy greens, lettuces, spinach, and we always have Swiss chard. Uh, There's things you can plant now all the way through November here in our area. And many of those are planted again in in late winter, early spring, depending on where you're listening. Uh, But right now, 
end of August, early September is really the beginning of the planning season for a lot of these things for most of the zones you talked about. And for those who may be wondering, what the heck is Romanesco? Well, that's a little controversial, but it's usually described as a type of cauliflower. But to me, it looks more like broccoli. And it's a fascinating looking thing. Everyone should grow it once. It makes a huge plant, two to three feet across, makes this enormous head with a fractal pattern. You can look up Fibonacci patterns. This is great for those of you who are homeschooling kids right now. And uh, it's a very tender broccoli-like flower head that sort of resembles cauliflower in texture, but broccoli in flavor. And but it takes up a lot of room, it sounds like. Yeah, it's a big plant. And I think people need to know that if you're if you're limited for space, you'll get a lot more for your money out of just regular broccoli that re-sprouts. But it is a beautiful plant and very fascinating to grow at least once. Not difficult. It's very similar to broccoli. What about the containerizing uh, these plants? Do many of them take well to containers? I do that. And I use large containers. I use anything from a seven to a 15 gallon size. You want at least half a cubic foot of potting soil. A cubic foot's even better because these are plants with extensive root systems and they don't want to get drought stress. It's very important with all the coal crops, things like that, that they have a good root volume. If you're limited and you have a smaller container, go with the leafy greens, lettuces, spinaches. You can crowd those together, harvest leaf by leaf and have them over a very long season. What are the best selling varieties that you've worked with over the years? On the broccoli, I'm a big fan of Dechicho, which is an old heirloom variety. I like the newer ones like Green Magic, uh, which is very similar. What I suggest home gardeners look for is broccoli that is listed as re-sprouting, side sprouts, lots of side shoots. Commercial growers want a very large head of broccoli. They want something six inches across, and they're just going to get one and done. They get one big head and that's it. You as a home gardener can plant a Chicho or Green Magic or Gypsy, some of these like that have been around for a while and, and some newer hybrids. And you'll get one four inch head and immediately new side shoots come up and you can be picking those all winter. So that's really better for the home gardener. What is the spacing for broccoli? I know on some of the older varieties like Green Goliath, Green Duke and Waltham 29, they recommended planting them 10 inches apart in 20 foot rows. You can go closer with these re-sprouting types. So that sounds about right. I usually go about a foot apart. I, I may crowd them. The more you crowd them, the smaller those initial heads will be, but you'll still get good results. And really, I think broccoli and its cousins, broccoli rob, things like that are some of the easiest things for home gardeners to start with. Easy to grow from seed, easy to buy in plants, and they'll produce quickly. All right. So much for broccoli. Let's move through the alphabet. What's next? Okay. Uh, Brussels sprouts. <laughs> you ever grown them, Fred? <laughs> Brussels sprouts are a challenge here because even though they're a cool season crop, uh, if you want to plant them correctly here, you have to do it in the heat of July. Right. They need to go in midsummer. They need a really long start to the growing season and you're not going to harvest until March. Uh, and I guarantee you'll be battling aphids the whole time. So I would not rush into Brussels sprouts if you're a novice gardener. It can be fun to do, but uh, I don't know how much you like Brussels sprouts. They're probably not the easiest. So maybe let's move down the alphabet to cabbage. Well, let's point one, one more thing on Brussels sprouts, though, for uh, people in other parts of the country. Maybe this Brussels sprouts are best treated as a spring planted crop. Yeah, and they're heavily grown in the coastal areas of California. Most of the production for many years was over in the coast in the Bay Area. Uh, that, that long season, planting them early in the spring, cool, mild climate, they'd be harvesting them over a very long period. So it's a challenging one because it takes literally about six months from plant to harvest. Wow. All right. Uh, can we go to the letter C? 
Now, remember, these are all related. These are all basically the same plant. They're Brassica oleracea. That's the botanical name of the, the ancestor of all of them. And from that, we got broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, um, kohlrabi, Brussels sprouts, uh, kale, collards. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Um, but they're all basically the same plant. And they like a mild climate to grow and expand and get their major initial start. And then we're harvesting different parts. We're harvesting the flower buds. We're firing the inflorescence. Uh, and in some cases, the weird stem, like on the kohlrabi. Uh, what they want is to have a long period of development and then initiate the flowering and then we eat them before they get a chance to flower. (laughs) Now, I'm fond of the Chinese cabbages, the bok choy and the pak choy. Very easy to grow and you can crowd them. They're they're a really good one for folks who like stir fry, have maybe one container to crowd a bunch of things in. Bok choy, pak choy, there's a bunch of different names and different styles of those. You can harvest a leaf at a time or the whole thing. And again, all they want is cool, mild conditions. They're okay with frost light frost, okay, down into the mid-20s Fahrenheit. Uh, So they're pretty easy to grow in almost all the climate zones you mentioned. And in coastal areas, the places where tomatoes don't do well, peppers don't do well, let's say Seattle or Corvallis, Oregon, those are great choices. Those will do very well for you pretty much year-round. Cabbage varieties I'm familiar with are Earliana, Copenhagen Market, Savoy King, and the Burpee Hybrid. Are there others that you like? Green Acre, that's become one of the most popular because it will produce quickly. Uh, You'll look on the label you'll see some cabbages listed as 60 to 70 days, others in the 90-day range. The the faster ones are going to be better for some of the listeners who are in the colder USDA zones. They get them planted now. They're listening in September. And we get frost in November. They'll be okay with that. They can get them out of the ground before a hard freeze sets in. In our climate, those tend to head up in the in the late winter, early spring. Here we can do all of them because we don't get that cold in the winter. But uh, that green acre in particular is a, is a fast producer. Well, let's talk about uh, another relative of those then, cauliflower. It's more challenging. Uh, The issue with cauliflower is that the heads are susceptible to cold damage and you'll get cosmetic damage on the head if it's open and we get, you know, open to the sky and we get 24, 25 degrees as we can do here in mid-December, early January, it'll damage it. So an old technique is to pull those leaves up clamp them over the top and that protects the head and with that colder weather you get a sweeter flavor it's a little more tricky though because they're more susceptible to slug damage aphids and more challenging to manage that way i would say for again for a novice gardener broccoli is going to be a lot easier all right we'll cross cauliflower off the list then. no try now, once <laughs> okay try yes exactly try everything once yeah now, one, of, one of my favorites to grow and I, I won't say it's bulletproof, but uh, if you have good deep soil, it's kind of hard to go wrong with carrots. Yeah, as long as the soil drains well. And you can do them essentially any time of year, as long as the moisture is consistent. So in the summer here, they can be pretty challenging just because of how hot and dry we are. But uh, almost anywhere someone's listening, unless the ground freezes over, they can do carrots right on into the winter. They can do them early in the spring, even later in the spring. I suggest for areas with denser soil, they use smaller types, like little finger handanzers, half long. Try the round one, Orbit. Those are cool. And there's a lot of new carrots on the variety, a lot of new new colorful ones but i think you really can't go wrong with those first two i mentioned little finger and danvers half long they develop quickly you get three to four inch very sweet carrots and remember the sweetness increases with a little frost i realize you're a nursery owner but would you buy a six pack of carrots i would sell one 
(laughs) (laughs) Would I buy one? No. (laughs) No. You would plan from seed. (laughs) Absolutely. The thing to remember, though, is carrot seed germinates very slowly. There's an inhibitor in the seed coat. So first thing is to soak the seed overnight before you plant it to try and get some of that inhibitor out of there. Then it'll only take three to four weeks to germinate instead of five to six. And an old trick is to plant carrots and radishes together in the same bed. Now, the radishes come up right away. You're harvesting them in five or six weeks. Just as you're pulling them out, the carrots are beginning to sprout. So you're making maximum efficient use of your bed and you're not waiting and waiting and waiting for the carrots to sprout. You're getting something else out of that bed at the same time. Another one of those uh, slow to germinate ones I'm trying this year are parsnips. It could take three Mm. weeks for it to show its uh, face above ground. Anything in that family. They have an inhibitor in the seed coat, and a simple trick is to soak the seed overnight. Parsley, well-known for five to six weeks to germinate. Uh, Put them in a bowl, pour hot water on them, let it sit overnight, drain that off, and that'll help somewhat. But you're still looking three to four weeks to germination. Yeah. And all the root vegetables, I would recommend planting direct in the ground if you can. Yes, people All buy right. six packs. <laughs> yes. So root crops, we're talking carrots. We're count, yep. uh, talking about turnips. Yep. Parsnips. Yeah, you grow them? Uh, this is going to be the first year I'm growing them. Those, those were, you thought I said parsley. I said parsnips as far as taking three weeks to germinate. Yeah, they are storing a lot of starch. And thing to remember with anything that stores starch is when we get cold, the starch converts to sugar. So even even the leaves of your kale, uh, you'll get better flavor when you get some chilling on them. This is one of the reasons they're popular. Don't harvest your parsnips until Christmas. I'll remember that. Okay, I'm going to write that down. Don't harvest parsnips. Parsnips until Christmas. Xmas. Okay, got it. Smart Pots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. Smart Pots are proudly made 100% in the USA. Smart Pots are also BPA-free. There's no risk of chemicals leaching into the soil, your herbs, vegetables, and other edibles. That's why organic growers prefer Smart Pots. Smart Pots breathable fabric creates a healthy root structure for plants. Smart Pots come in a wide array of sizes, and they can be reused year after year. Speaking of the cold weather that's on the way, if a frost or freeze is in the forecast, moving your frost tender plants that are in the Smart Pots that have handles makes them even easier to move closer to the house for added warmth, or you could even move them inside for the winter. Visit smartpots.com Fred for more information about the complete line of Smart Pots lightweight fabric containers. It's Smart Pots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to smartpots.com Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next Smart Pot purchase. Go to smartpots.com Fred. Let's get back to our conversation discussing fall vegetable planting. We're talking with Don Shore. He owns Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis, California, and he's got some tips on planting onions and garlic. But again, it depends where you live. It's highly variable. Um, Hot areas in the southern parts, uh, they generally plant in the fall and they harvest in the spring, much as we do. Here we plant November, harvest in May to June, a little later for Walla Wallas. And the colder tier states, they plant in the spring for summer harvest. So it's going to vary. And you'll have short day 
long day, intermediate day types. We're very lucky. In Sacramento Valley, we can grow all of those. We can grow any kind of onion we want. Wherever you're listening locally, you should find out what the suitable varieties are for your area because there are generally varieties that are better for you and varieties that aren't as suitable. I love the Stockton Red Onion. They're hard to find, but when you find them, get them. They're good. Stockton Red, Stockton Yellow. Walla Walla is a fun one to grow. We always get demand for the Red Torpedo. It's a little dicey here because it tends to bloom, honestly, and when it blooms, it's hollow and it doesn't keep as well. But yeah, the Stockton Red or the new Red Burger, which is an improvement on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Onions in the Sacramento Valley arrive in November, and you plant them bare root. It's one of the easiest things in the world to do. Yeah, they usually come bundled 50 to a bundle. Yep. Be happy with one bundle, folks. <laughs> I get people special ordering 200 to 500 at a time. And they call and call and call. I don't know what it is with these old guys and their onions. <laughs> They're very concerned about them. But uh, they want to get them in in November when they can water them in, get some nitrogen on them early in the season. And then they're just as easy as can be from that point on. You just harvest in the early summer, late spring. And that's part of the beauty of, of living where we live in other areas of the country. It's more of a challenge. What's nice is that there are some mail order firms like Peaceful Valley. They won't even mail out their garlic and onions to a zip code until it's right for that area. Right. There's a big onion grower down in Texas, I think is Dixondale Farms. They know everything there is to know about onions and they ship millions of them all over the country. And they tell you that they're going to ship them to you when it's appropriate for your region. I guess the most frost-sensitive plants would be those with water in their leaves, like uh, the leafy greens. Yeah, they're easy to grow, but of course, they're a little vulnerable to temperatures in the low 20s or below. So wherever people are listening, they need to take that into consideration. On the plus side, you can plant and harvest right away. You can start picking leaves immediately, especially the leaf lettuces and spinaches, and you can let them grow and form a head and harvest the whole head if you like. This is probably where early novice gardeners go best is with the leafy greens in a barrel or some planter like that. Crowd them in, put in 30 plants. I mean, go go overboard because you can thin them out and use them. And uh, if something is used up, there's a space, go buy a plant, stick some more in or do some more seed. And we're talking about lettuce, um, spinach. You can do those, those stir fry greens like you were talking about earlier. You can do broccoli rob, which is used for the, the stem and for stir frying. And you can even put some Swiss chard in there. Just be aware that it's ultimately going to outgrow all the other things we talked about. So keep them trimmed and pinched and use them all winter long. Here in the valley, in the Sacramento Valley of California, you'll be harvesting out of that barrel all the way into April. Uh, Perhaps in colder climates, you hear that you're going to hear 21, 20 degrees Fahrenheit. You might want to rush out and have a salad that night. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Some of my favorite uh, loose leaf lettuce varieties are ruby, bib, salad bowl, green ice. Head lettuce has always been more of a challenge here in the valley, but it's easy to grow if you live in a milder climate. Sure. It just it has more risk of getting problems on the interior of the head, balling up and getting a rod. Look for the Salanova series. These are amazing. They're like bib style. They make a perfect little head. Even when they're only half grown, you can harvest them whole and they look absolutely great. They taste wonderful. Also, romaine. If some of you are listening in places where it's hotter, romaine seems to be more heat tolerant. Lola Rosa. And then an old standby for almost every region I can think of is the black seeded Simpson, which is tolerant Mm -hmm. of heat 
and cold. So it can take almost the whole range of the lettuce growing season. And in the world of spinach, uh, I've always loved the Bloomsdale Long Standing sure. and the Melody Hybrid. Melody is in the sort of new class of spinach where there's smaller leaves that are thinner, so probably a little more vulnerable to cold, but they're tender. People like to use them in salads. The Bloomsdale is a cooking spinach, been around forever, tough, reliable, and said to be pretty tolerant of both cold and heat. So there's a whole range of spinach now, basically thick leaf types and thin leaf types. And we touched on kale. And uh, one thing I've learned about kale over the years is the plain green kale has a better taste to it than the ornamental kale, which is (laughs) very colorful, but kind of bitter. Not really intended for eating, Fred. <laughs> it's like the parsley on your plate at the restaurant, but uh, it's a different plant. The kale is incredibly popular. It has become far and away the most popular of the cool season vegetables for most retailers. It's easy to grow. There's the dino kales, which have the thick kind of lumpy leaves. You've got all kinds of uh, frilly leaf types. They're all very easy to grow and they can go down to 19 or 20 degrees without much difficulty. And I'm said that the flavor improves. It gets sweeter when that happens. Yeah, the really pretty ornamental ones. We get this question over and over through the winter. Are they edible? Uh, sure. <laughs> edible. Does that mean palatable? Tasty? No. You want to eat it? I'd suggest buying Laciniata or Dino Kale or something like that. Red Russian, Winter Boar, a bunch of new hybrids. There's uh, some really cool kale on the market now. Well, one solution around uh, the bitterness of, of maybe kale or chard or even spinach is to do it in a stir fry, and that helps it out. Anything that's bitter, this is true, if you add salt, that masks the bitterness. So the soy sauce takes care of that in your stir fry. Thank you. That's good to know. All right. So most people, if you're a first time gardener and you're going to start a cool season garden for the first time, if you really want success, start with transplants. Yeah. Not from seed because it's a much longer process. And frankly, we're running out of time here. Uh, So people are going to the are going to the nursery. What do they look for at the nursery? By younger plants, I'm real concerned when I see overgrown root bound six packs, all of these cold crops we just talked about, uh, if their roots are bound up, the plant's going to get off to a slow start. Uh, so transplant it if you have to, if it's not ready to go into the garden bed, move it up to a four inch pot into some nice soil. Look for healthy green, deep green, not purple discolored ones and uh, not super root bound in the container. I think that's real important for these winter vegetables. And then when you take it home, what should you do with it if you don't plan on planting it that weekend? Well, just this morning, I took some six packs of Napa cabbage that were fully rooted in and I didn't want to put them in the ground yet. So I shifted them up into four inch pots just so they get them up to another little stage, two to four weeks of growth before they go in the ground. Keep them growing. Keep them moving. Don't don't let them sit around in those packs and get root bound. So go ahead and do that extra step, putting them in a reasonable quality potting soil in a four inch pot. The plants will be growing and vigorous when you put them in the ground. I was chatting recently with uh, Brad Gates. You know him from Wild Boar Farms. He's famous yes. for his tomatoes. And he came up with a rather ingenious way to keep lettuce coming throughout our hot summers. And every week or so, he plants a nursery flat with lettuce seed. He uh, takes a nursery flat. He uh, puts a sheet of newspaper on the bottom, fills it with soil, and then scatters lettuce seed or spinach seed or uh, uh, charred seed into the uh, surface of the soil, keeps it watered. It, It pops up. And within a month, they're using their scissors 
cutting it off and serving it in a meal during the winter time. You could do that in the winter time too. And you could do it indoors. In a lot of places, people are listening. You could do it in a sheltered front porch, something like that. I mean, look for those microclimates where we're not talking about where places where there's snow on the ground, but places where it's maybe in the low twenties, they could be a few degrees warmer up close to the house. He's growing microgreens and that's really easy to do. You just, you're clipping them and you're not, you're never trying to grow them to their full potential. You're just using them as little greens. I know people who do that with cilantro just to have a steady crop of it as well. The other group of plants that we should mention for some listeners are the peas and the beans. Uh, mm, not, yeah. not the garden, not green beans, but fava beans. These are two cool season vegetables that we grow here for different purposes. Peas, of course, for shelling, stir fry, uh, depending on the different type. The sugar snaps have just dominated the market now for 30 years ever since they came on because you can eat them whole. And then fava beans are great for building the soil, even if you don't happen to eat them. So they're very popular as a cover crop. And those are both planted going into the winter in this climate. Now, this is something where you're going to have to find out locally in a colder climate, perhaps USDA zone seven, six. I'm guessing those are planted in the early spring. But here we plant them for the winter time. And we have the benefit of the fava beans all through the winter, suppressing weeds, building the soil, adding nitrogen, and then people harvest and eat the beans as well. From what I've been reading about USDA Zone 7, which includes parts of Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, Oklahoma, Arkansas, Mississippi, Alabama, Tennessee, Virginia, and North Carolina, uh, those cool weather vegetables can usually be planted outdoors in early February. Sure. And people do that here, and they're, it's a race against time to see whether they'll develop before we hit our first 90-degree temperatures. So we're doing the same thing, but our preferred season is September, October, November for best results. And as we've talked about in previous shows in discussing cool season vegetables, if you live in a colder climate, nothing beats a cold frame or a greenhouse. There you go. Root cellar. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. Don Shores with Redwood Barn Nursery in Davis, California. Some great cool season vegetable recommendations. Don, thank you so much. Great to be here, Fred. Thanks. There's a lot of debate in the world of fruit tree growers about fertilization of fruit trees. Phil Purcell's with Dave Wilson Nursery. They're a wholesale grower of fruit and nut trees. They supply nurseries throughout the country. And Phil recommends three fertilizations a year for your deciduous fruit trees. When we go back and talk about the vigor of a tree, generally speaking, is you know it gets a lot of vigor from fertilizers. And we at Dave Wilson Nursery, we like to recommend organic fertilizers. And a kind of a cool, good, if you want to just very easy rule of thumb, is you fertilize right after the fruit sets around pea size with an organic fruit tree fertilizer. And then once again, midsummer with that, you know, organic fruit tree fertilizer. And then towards the end of summer, one more application. And that kind of, that last application gets the peach tree ready for the winter. And again, that was for deciduous fruit trees, fruit trees that lose their leaves in the wintertime. But what about the evergreen fruit trees, especially citrus? Well, there's a lot of debate on that one. And my best advice to you is use a fertilizer that's intended for citrus and read and follow all label directions. But again, organic fertilizers, a good choice for citrus as well. 
Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday, and it's available just about anywhere podcasts are handed out, and that includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Overcast, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, hey Alexa, play the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast, would you please? Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. We appreciate it.